me, hello friends, and welcome to this message which is specially handpicked to minister to you and to bless you. I am Pastor Lincoln Seranga, Senior Pastor here at Liberty Christian Fellowship in London. My passion is the pursuit of 100% answered prayer. If that sounds like a good subject to you, why don't you follow me at lincolnseranga.com and also find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and other social media where you will be able to find other messages as well as find access to short courses, coaching opportunities, and more. God bless you as you listen to this message. Well, today I want to preach um, from a text that I don't tend to preach a lot from. Um, and the miracle that we are focusing on is the water to wine. And that's from John chapter 2. I'll tell you the reason why I don't preach a lot from it is I grew up as, you know, like we would go for funerals and things like that and preach the gospel um, in all these things. And this is the one miracle that every drunk knows. Every drunk. <laughs> I grew up in a house of alcoholics. My mom's brothers were pretty much all of them alcoholics. And all of them, with their staggering and in their voices, would always say to me, Mulokole, Yesu yakolo mwenge. Meaning Christian, Jesus made wine <laughs> in Cana of Galilee. So for some reason, I kind of dodged this scripture. And I had issues that I would present to God. And I would say to him, you have made preaching the gospel quite hard <laughs> by, by doing this particular miracle. Because <laughs> we find it hard to tell these guys you're not helping yourself by drinking so much. Because they point to you. But anyway... In every miracle, there is a lesson. <laughs> and this, um, this miracle is popular because of the subject matter. Now, I find that miracles to do with food and beverages are very popular. <laughs> On Friday, we were hearing how the miracle of feeding the thousands is in every gospel. Because when it comes to food, the God who provides food and provides wine, that one is correct. But when we, when we talk about casting out the demon from the man of the Gadarenes, that demon which throws pork into the sea, uh, we're not very happy with that miracle because it caused loss. <laughs> but turn with me, please, if you will, uh, to John chapter 2. And we're just going to read from the scriptures so they are fresh. In your mind. Are you ready? And I'm calling, uh, the title of the sermon is Miracles 101, and I'll explain why. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told them, they have no more wine. 
And then he answered in a tone that I, I don't know about the tone, but the words, my mom would kill me if I said that. He said, dear woman, my, well, NLT says dear woman, but the NKGB says woman. Hmm? That's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. Just underline that in your spirit. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. And each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. Mark that in your spirit. When the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Amen. Now, John reports that this miracle of the changing of water to wine was Jesus's first miracle. It is not the first miraculous thing, and those of you who have been on Morning Glory and have been following the recordings will say, but we have it as number three. But it was the first miracle performed by Jesus the man. The other two before were miracles that brought him onto the scene, like the uh, incarnation and the virgin birth. But this was Jesus's first miracle. Interestingly, it is only reported by John. Nobody else reports this miracle. Only John. And those of you who are accustomed with the scriptures will know that John was like the closest disciple to Jesus. He was the closest friend. And it is interesting that it is only him who reports the first miracle. Perhaps it's because the other disciples joined later on, and I don't know whether John was part of Jesus' life at that time, or it's something that he shared with him in confidence. I don't know, but only John reports this miracle. But I want us to focus on the, first, on the fact that it was the first one. Someone say the first one. Now, you know, when you are doing something the first time, you always want to get it right. How many parents in the house? How many of you can testify that with the first child, you go do everything by the book? You want to get it right. How many firstborn in the house? How many of you feel the pressure of having to get everything right? And if you have a parent like mine, it's like you need to get it right so your siblings can follow. If you don't get it right, you're going to set a precedent for everybody else 
to do what you're doing. So with the first thing, I, I remember um, for myself that with our firstborn, who I won't disclose his name, but with our firstborn, I was so strict. Everything was, but by the time the second comes, you've mellowed, yeah? So how many of you know that the younger one, and by the time you get to the baby, you're like, ah, it's okay. They get away with murder. <laughs> because something keeps mellowing. But the, the point is that with the first one, you're conscious of the fact that you need to set a precedent. You need to do things right. You need to make sure there are principles that are being followed. Get me? Now, with every, every testimony, every miracle that Jesus did, he was teaching something. He wasn't just showing off. Let me echo what I believe it was Pastor Lincoln or someone said recently, that when we're dwelling on the miracles of Jesus, we need to remember that Jesus was not a show-off. And he wasn't doing any of the miracles to show that he's very powerful. Neither was he doing them to build a fan base. If he had wanted to build a fan base, when he did this miracle, he should have told the master of ceremonies, uh, <coughs> you're talking about the wine? Guess who made it? He didn't. It was undercover. It was him and the servants and his mom. They were the ones who knew about that miracle, which perhaps is the reason why it's only in one of the Gospels. But every miracle he did for a number of reasons. And I believe that these are the reasons why Jesus did his miracles. It was not for money. It was not for fame. It was not to show off. But this is what John says in verse 11. That he did these miracles to show God's glory. And so that the disciples would believe. Showing God's glory, it means this, that every miracle that is recorded in the scriptures tells us something about what God is like, how he does his things, what he likes, what he's capable of doing. These miracles were written for you and me that we may know how our God operates. That we may know what our God is capable of. These miracles were written that we, the followers of Jesus, may believe. Mm -hmm. So say after me, Jesus turned water into wine. So that I may know what God is like. And believe. Let me amplify this a little bit more. You see, Jesus was not a magician. A magician never reveals his tricks. He just mesmerizes you. And somehow, out of his sleeve, something pops. And all magicians are told to guard their secrets. Very carefully. And all they come to do is to show you. And sometimes, we treat Jesus as if he's a magician. 
He is not. He is not about hiding things under his sleeves. He is not about doing something that cannot be replicated. In fact, the Bible says this. John 20 verse 31. That these things, meaning the record of all the miracles, was written that we might believe. Hmm? And what does believe mean? John 14, 12. These things were written. This miracle was written that I might believe. And then John 14, 12 says that whoever believes will do the works that I do and greater. And greater. So this miracle was done works that he did and greater. He turned water to wine that you may pick a leaf and do what he did and greater. Amen? See, it's great that we sing water he turned into wine. It's great that we sing that. But he did not do it so that we would sing it. He did it so that we would do it. Hmm? So nudge your neighbor and say, it's time for us to move from singing it to doing it. The miracle, every miracle holds within it keys for the followers of Jesus to become believing believers. Because God knows that there are so many of us that are unbelieving believers. We are followers, but we don't believe. And he said that the mark of our believing, I preach to you as I preach to myself. The mark of us being believers is that we do as he did and greater. So miracle number one must have some first principles about miracles. And today I want to Dwell on this scripture so that I can unfold to you what I call the 101 of miracles. 101 is just a way for those of you that don't use that phrase of saying the beginner's manual. And this miracle was to give us some 101 lessons about the miraculous. Hmm? Many years ago, those of you who have walked with us for many years... Um, I remember that Pastor Lincoln preached on the ingredients of a miracle. I remember that day clear. I, I'm not very good at remembering, he'll tell you. But I remember that day very clearly because we had been dislocated. We were in a weird room and we were kind of squashed and you preached on the ingredients of a miracle. And because I bake, uh, the baker in me always thinks of this, the ingredients of a miracle as the ingredients of a cake. Now, for those of you that cake, uh, that do some baking or are learning to do some baking, there are some principles about baking that you need to nail, right? Before you can move on to the fancy cakes, there are 101 principles that you need to have straight in your head. 
And then you can take it up and add chocolate, chocolate chip and do vegan and, you know, all these fancy things. But you need to know the basics. Amen? So in operating, we are all miracle workers. The person you are sitting next to is a follower of Jesus. And if they are a follower of Jesus, they are a miracle worker. Nudge your neighbor and say, you are a miracle worker. You are a miracle worker. Some of you just haven't been to miracle school. So here is miracle 101 lesson. There are principles that we need to embrace and nail. And you know that I need margarine or something which is the cousin of margarine. I need flour. I need eggs. And everything else rotates around these things. Right? So are you ready for some 101 keys? Number one. In order to have a miracle, the first ingredient you need is a crisis. We don't like that one. You need a crisis. You need something that needs a miracle worker. You need something that you can't fix. You need something that you don't have an answer to. You need something that you don't even have the ingredients for. You need something that is outside of your power. Hmm? There are times when we look at people like David and Isaac and all these guys playing on the keys. And we look at them and we say they're working miracles on the keys. Yes, but that's not the kind of miracle I'm talking about. They're working within their gifting. And they've excelled in their gifting. But if you put me on the keyboard and I produce the same thing, now we're talking about a miracle. Because we're dealing with a crisis. Running out of wine was a household shame. The family that ran out of provision on the greatest occasion to show their family wealth and status and position, that was such a shame for them. That family had failed. The wedding was a point of honor, not just for the groom, but for the whole family. And to fail on such a day was an epic failure. Now, you know, as I know, that we all hate failure. The biggest fear, if you go and read, ask Google, because Google knows everything. If you ask Google, what is the biggest fear? It will say, fear of failure. How many relate? There are so many things that we don't even attempt because of the fear of failure. Hmm? And before you have a miracle, you need to be standing on the precipice of near ruin. You need to be dealing with something that is impossible. You know, I, I am one of you, I understand, and I, I struggle with this primary ingredient because even though I can quote to you, 
that there is no testimony without a test and all those nice phrases. I came to the Lord thinking I was coming, I had arrived in problem-free zone. How many of you are like me? And I thought that walking with the Lord means the closer I walk, the more exempt I am from trouble. Hmm? And then having walked with him for more than 40 years, yes, I did say four, zero, not one, four, the more I press into him, the more it seems that my life hops from crisis to crisis. Anyone relate? You press into God and you're like, God is going to do something amazing. I can feel it in my bones. He's about to break through. I can feel God is about, and then life goes completely pear-shaped. And you're thinking, what? But I came to say to you today, my friends, every crisis in your life is potential. For the glory of God. Every difficulty, every near miss, every failure, every impossible thing is potential. It's potential. It is potential. It's an opportunity for the one who is above all things to show his glory. <laughs> I remember this. I don't know, Joy, if you were in Gaza at the time, but we had a laborer. Um, one of those guys who helped like in the compound. And we, we called him Sibiangu. That wasn't his name. Sibiangu means it's not easy. So the reason why, <laughs> do you know? <laughs> the reason why, Harriet, I think this was after your time. I'm not sure. But the reason why we called him Sibiangu is because whenever you would say, how are you? His answer would be, it's not easy. <laughs> So every, every opportunity, it doesn't matter what time of the day you spoke. And his face also said, it's not easy. Everything about him looked like he was besieged with issues and besieged with problems. And how he interpreted it in himself is that life is hard. Sibiangu, life is hard. But today I want to say, if you feel as if your name is the same as that laborer, I want you to change the phrase over your life and say, my life is full of potential. Look at your child or look at your work situation. And instead of telling us things are hard, tell us things are full of potential. How many of you have got issues at the moment and you can say, Pastor Grace, my family is full of potential at the moment. <laughs> Pastor Grace, my mother, my, my husband is full of potential at the moment. Raise your hand and say, full of potential. Mm, so next time when you're greeting somebody and they, you ask them, how are you? And they say full of potential, you know what they are saying. The first ingredient is a crisis. And every crisis is potential for God to show his glory. The second ingredient 
that was shown in this story is the presence of Jesus. You see, crises by themselves do not create miracles. I remember uh, back in the day, otherwise God would be living in the places that are war-torn. Crises do not of themselves create the miracle. The miracle is created when there is a combination of the problem and the problem solver. And the difference between this wedding and any other wedding that may have flopped in that time was that Jesus was there. Hmm? He was invited. He was amongst the guests. Get Jesus on your guest list. Whatever you are planning, wherever you are, on your work, in your work, put Jesus on your guest list. Now, some of you will say, but he is omnipresent. I know you omnipresent theorists will be saying, but he is everywhere. I'm not talking about the everywhere God. I'm talking about the one who is present, available, and present to heal, to save, to deliver. Present, focused, ready. Hmm? That is the one I'm talking about. See, for those of you who are talking about um, God is omnipresent. Yeah, 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 I understand. But then how come he himself says in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, and he's talking to a church. And he's saying, behold, I stand at your door and I knock. Uh-huh. So if he's omnipresent, why is he knocking? We need him to come in. We need him to be present. Miracle workers caught his presence. Miracle workers love his presence. Miracle workers seek his presence. Miracle workers wait on his presence. The more that we invite him, the more that we court him, the closer that we get to him, the more we experience the power that is within him. James 4, 8 says, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. We need his presence, not just a problem. Because some people will say, but you know, I believe God, excuse me, I'm a Christian. I come to church. How come I still have this problem? Draw near. Press into his presence. I want to just, before I move from this point, because I've got a few things to cover in a few minutes. Isn't it striking that the problem presented itself not at the beginning of the wedding? Because the master of ceremony, when he comes, he says, you saved this one for last. Now, it was the Jewish culture that a wedding was not one day. They took time about their weddings. How many days, Pastor Lincoln? You're the, you the historian amongst us. But they could spend about a week in 
on a wedding. Now, I can't imagine. For me, that is absolute torture. Because even just a whole day of wedding, by the time we get to <laughs> 8 o'clock, I am pinching Pastor Lincoln saying, time to go home. It was a long, stretched out affair, their weddings. They had a whole week of celebration. And it was somewhere in there that they ran out of wine. Now, here's what I find fascinating. It is that Jesus was still at the wedding when they ran out. So if the bridegroom or the party or whoever had annoyed him at the beginning and he had left, we would not be talking about the miracle. Because experiencing the miraculous is not just about having the presence on Sunday. It is about having the presence, abiding in the presence, keeping the presence. We must learn to invite him and keep him near. He needs to walk with us so that when these things pop up, because they don't announce themselves, when they show up, he is still with us. Sometimes we experience very little of God because we only visit with him. And when the problems come, he is far away. Learn to keep him on side. Because that we need his presence for the miraculous to work. Key number two, seek his presence. Dwell in his presence. Keep the presence near. Build his presence. Find ways to stay in his presence. Court his presence. Increase in the knowledge of his presence. Increase. I mean, Jesus himself would spend hours on the mountain doing what? Dwelling, marinating in the presence of God. And after he had marinated for a whole night, when he came down, miracles happened. Why? Because he knew how to court the presence, dwell in the presence, marinate in the presence, allow the presence to seep through. We need his presence. Key number three. A stubborn believer. So we can have the presence and the crisis. But until you get a Mary who picks herself up and comes to the master and presents, introduces the problem solver to the problem. Until you have a stubborn believer, you will not experience the miraculous. Do you know that Jesus can be in the house and you are also in the house and you live without a miracle? You want to read the story of the paralytic? The Bible says that and Jesus was in the house. Hmm? And people were pressing, there were people downstairs in the living room pressing on to him and none of them left with a miracle. The man who left with a miracle was outside trying to make his way in. He struggled to make his way in and had to break the roof. He was the only one that day that left with a miracle. Why? Because the miraculous calls for a certain caliber of a person. Let me describe the caliber of this stubborn believer. Number one, they are daring. 
they dare believe. They dare present their faith before God. They dare bring up the topic. They dare confront issues. They are daring. We need to come boldly before the throne of God and present issues before him. We need to be bold concerning these prayer requests. She was so daring. She did not ask in secret. She presented it publicly. And so when he said, my time has not come, if she was one of those people who has a thin skin, she would say he has publicly embarrassed me. We need to be so daring that when our prayers are not answered, people know. So that when our testimonies come out, people know. Some of you, God has done things for, for you, but they don't help us. Because it was you by yourself. No one ever knew of your faith. No one ever knew you were believing. You got the miracle. No one ever heard of the miracle. Now how is this helping us? They need to be daring. Number two, they need to not underestimate their need. Mary brought the issue of the wedding flopping. And so many times we don't pray about things because we think they don't matter to God. How many of you are like that? You don't present it because you think, ah, she could have said to herself, if we run out of wine, it's okay. Let everybody just go home. Master of ceremonies. Just announce there's been a crisis or the storm Eunice is coming. Everybody go home. You can find a way to dodge the miraculous. You can find a way. There's always an option. But miracles happen for the people who will bring their request and not underestimate the fact that God cares about even the hairs on your head. So why does he not care about your gown? Why does he not care about whether you have enough food at the wedding? If he cares about the hair on my head, surely he cares enough if I have to ask him for a dress for Sunday. Miracle workers don't underestimate God. Neither do they underestimate how important. Saints, if it's important to you, it's important to God. Mm. If it matters to you, it matters to him. Bring it to him. These stubborn people are also persistent. Mm? They insist. Mary insisted. Went before Jesus and how many of you think that Jesus was not quite willing. He seemed quite unwilling. But these people that get something out of God are persistent. May God give you persistence in prayer. May God cause you to prevail in the place of prayer. May God make you bold and persistent in the place of prayer that you may see the glory of God. You can back out of that thing and say, well, it doesn't really matter, you know. People don't have to get married. Hmm? I remember speaking to somebody who was turning her 50th birthday. And she stopped me in the corridor 
We were in London Bridge at the time. And she said, this year is my 50th birthday. By the end of this year, I must be married. And in my spirit, something in me is saying, you've done 50 years without a husband. It's all right. You survived. But she said, nope. By the end of this year, I must be married. And do you know, praying for somebody when you are the unbeliever. She married that year. That year. Just before her 51st birthday. Why? She thought this matters to God. She persisted before. She easily could have said, well, the God who has sustained me for 50 years without a marriage can sustain me for the other years without a marriage. But she knew that her desire was important to God and she brought it and insisted before God, may God make us bold. That is why you need to be in touch with your, your desires. Some of us have settled and when we ask you what is your prayer request, you don't even have one. Because everything, it's okay. I never got to the position I wanted in life, it's okay. I never bought a house, it's okay. I never got married, it's okay. How will you see the miracles of God unless you press in for something? He said he will give us the desires of our hearts, which means to me, if you don't have any desires, he cannot give you anything. Mary came and she said, no, it's not acceptable. We are not ending this wedding on a negative. We want to see the glory of God. And I know you can do it. Make them some white, do something. She didn't even have a precedent. She had never seen him do it before. I don't think that he was in the business of making water to, to, to wine in their back garden. I don't think he had been practicing that miracle at home. But she said something in her said, I am sure that when I tell him this is important to this family, he will hear. Let me tell you one last thing about this kind of caliber of person. They recognize a miracle when it's unfolding. Now, when Mary goes to Jesus, he says, our time or my time has not come. How many of you, to you, that is no? Raise your hands. Only four. To me, it sounds like no. But when Mary left that place, for her, she had get ready. Everybody else had no, but she had, get ready. <laughs> Everybody around you might be saying, can you not see that God is saying no? Can you not just accept it? But the people that work miracles, they hear something else. They see something else. They believe something else. When everybody is saying that the facts are on the table, it's obvious it's not going that way. Mary was saying, oh, the miracle is about to begin. People that receive miracles from God, they can see a miracle unfolding where nobody sees anything. Mm. Even when God seems to be saying, none of my business, they see God at work. 
May God give us the eyes that see a miracle when everybody else is saying no. May God give us eyes that see a miracle when the circumstances are completely opposite. I'm going to do the last two in very quickly. The next ingredient, participation. Somebody say participation. Say it again. Say it again. Why am I making you repeat that? Because God never works without co-workers. Every miracle has instructions to how to receive it. Did you catch the instructions? He said to them, go and get the water jars. Fill the water jars with water. Then how it turns from water to wine, that one is my bit. But I want to announce to you, Liberty Christian Fellowship, that the God of miracles will never do the miracle unless we, the miracle workers, the co-workers, do our part. We don't do his part, but he does not do our part either. If they had sat back and said, after all, you're a miracle worker, why don't you just make bottles appear on the tables of the guests? Poop, poop, poop from heaven. He said, no, I need every one of you to roll up your sleeves and begin to collect water and work with me in this miracle. Put the water on your back. Pour the water in while you're praying in the name of Jesus. May this water, that is our part. We carry the water. We lift up the name of Jesus. We work with him. Every miracle has a part you have to play. Miss the instructions, you will miss the miracle. Can I say that again? Miss the instruction, you will miss the miracle. Somebody put your hands on your ears and say, God, help me hear the instruction that goes with this miracle. Go dip yourself in the Jordan. Go and get a cake of figs and apply it to Hezekiah's boil. Was Isaiah not able to say, boil, go? But that was not the instruction. The instruction was go and make a cake of figs. Get the figs. Crush them up. Apply them to Hezekiah's boil. Even when he was talking to the lame people, he said, take up your mats. He said to another one, go show yourself to the priest. Every miracle in your life has instructions. Ask your neighbor, are you listening? Are you listening for the instruction? Are you paying attention? You're saying God is taking a long time. Where is the delay? Could it be that you have not listened to instructions? God, give us the grace to hear the instructions for the next miracle that we are to see in our lives. God always participates. Some people will say, why do we pray so long? Why do we fast? Does God need your food? Is he going to eat your food? No, he does not eat my food, but I am doing my part to collect the water that he will transform into wine. Why is it that we pray? We are co-workers. 
Say of yourself, I am a co-worker. God, help me hear. What is the instruction? Concerning my career, what am I supposed to do? You're praying for a promotion. Oh, you're praying for a job. God, give me a job. God, give me a job. You have never written a CV. You're praying for a better job. You have never upgraded your CV. You are praying for a husband. Ah, let me leave that one. Hmm. Sometimes eyebrows, you know, things need to be organized. You don't talk to any brother, but you're believing God to get you married. We have to work together. You ask Pastor Lincoln, why didn't I bake biscuits and bring? Wait on instructions. The Bible says, he who is friendly, he who is looking for a friend must show himself friendly. Yeah, so friendly. So if every day you're going home after service, shoot out of the to capital from. Lastly, timing. Everybody say timing. It would appear to me that from Jesus' response, timing is, is an issue. Tell your neighbor, timing is a thing. And for many of us, this is where despair kicks in. Because when we think about God doing something, something in your psyche says, this is going to be super long. God is going to delay I remember, I think we've, told, we've shared this story before, but I, I remember Pastor Michael Chazze sharing with us about a, one of his church members who ended up married to someone that everybody was like, what? And she said, Pastor, I did not want to tell you because once I tell you, you will involve God, then things will go slowly. <laughs> Jesus says this. He says, woman, my time has not come. Hmm? But Mary. Now, so for, for me, that issue, the issue of God's timing is there. But I see something else. It would appear to me that the people of faith are able to accelerate Things which would have taken long. There is example on example on example in the scriptures where God communicates that it's either not time or it's not the dispensation or the timing is not right. And this woman or man of faith just says, but I need it now. And somehow, the God who works with us, the God who has chosen us, the God who is persuaded by the prayers of his people says, look at that one. Give it to them now. He did it for Hezekiah 
when Hezekiah was told, your time is up. And Hezekiah turned to the wall and he said, Lord, remember me. I am not ready to go just yet. Remember me. I know the word has come from Isaiah, but give me some more time. Change the timing on this thing. And the Lord stopped Isaiah in his tracks and he said, Isaiah, I have found a man of faith. And he has persuaded me and I am accelerating. I'm giving him extra time. There is something about faith that melts the heart of God. Do you remember the Syrophoenician woman who came asking for a miracle before the dispensation of the Gentiles? She was not welcome. She was a dog. And it was not yet time for the dogs to receive their miracles. But this woman came before him and she said, even if I'm a dog, I am sure you can sort out some crumbs for me from under the table. And she pressed and pressed. And when God saw the faith of this woman, he, she, he said, give her a miracle now. Let's not wait for the cross. Let's do it now. Let's not wait for the blood. Let's do it now. Let her in before her time. Timing is an issue, my friend, but the people of faith have an impact. However late it may seem, however much it may seem like a sealed deal, raise your faith and your expectation. And God does not look at them and say, you naughty woman, how dare you come before your time. He looks at them like a father would with their son and say, just give it to them. I want to say one last thing about timing and I'll be out of here. Good wine takes time. You don't get good wine from two minutes. I don't drink, but I hear things. And you hear of a bottle that has been in the wine cellar for years. And that one is sold at so much money because it has matured. And it has stayed in there. Sometimes we think that the miracle we are asking God, because it takes time for this miracle to happen, is going to take God time. But I want to tell you that however late, this thing may be, God is able to accelerate the fermentation process. And he accelerated the fermentation process so much so that the wine that was received at the end tasted a lot like it had been a lot longer in the cellar. God can do for you in five minutes what would have taken your lifetime to do. Rise to your feet. May the God who was able to bring that wine to perfection in a minute, in a blink of an eye, may he bring what you are praying for to perfection in the blink of an eye. But you need his, to participate with him. You need to work with him. He's looking for co-workers. How many of you in this place have a crisis, have a problem? Have a, oh, sorry, have potential. If you have potential, raise your hands to God. 
let us present our potential. <laughs> awesome God. The healer, the deliverer, the wine maker, the baker, the God who is able to bring the impossible into possibilities at the blink of an eye. It is to you that we are raising our hands on behalf of our families. Oh, on behalf of our church, on behalf of Liberty Christian Fellowship, on behalf of one another, on behalf of our children, on behalf of people's careers, on behalf of the single woman's cry, we lift our hands before you. And we know that you are a miracle worker. And every miracle that you have done, you have done so that we may be able to do it. So that we may see your glory and believe and follow in your footsteps. So with lifted hands, we lift up our faith. We lift up our faith. We lift up our eyes. We refuse to take no as an answer. We refuse to take no as an answer. We know that you can. We know that you're healer. We know that you're deliverer. Doesn't matter if we've been 20 years in the making. You are the miracle worker. You are able to transform in an instant what we have waited for. Come on, lift your prayers before God. Whether it is for you, for your husband, for your family. Let me hear the sound of prayer for just a minute. Lift it up before God. Lift up whether it's your church or your neighbor or your career. Something that you want to see a change in. Let it, let's lift it up before God. 